Hi, and welcome to Lighthouse Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. My name is Ben Hobson, and I'm here to introduce our Senior Minister, David Thomas, who is continuing his sermon series on how to avoid taking hurt and offence within the church. As always, we would love to hear any questions or comments you have on this series, so visit us at www.life-house.net and let us know what you think. Thanks very much for listening, and here's David. I was, I was hoping to finish... Or I was hoping that this would be the penultimate uh, part of the series, how to avoid hurts and offenses in the church. It's not, because I just feel I need to concentrate on one point today, and uh, then I'll try and do the last two in two sessions and get through those, and then that will be me preaching, I think, for about another four weeks and then another two months. We get all the little eaglets coming here and spreading their wings and starting to preach. I'm really looking forward to that. They've had one off and they've had one Bible college study this t- yesterday, so they should be ready to fly. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, I, I, when, I, when I preach these sermons, it's, it's incredible how appropriate they become to what the church is going through right now and what individuals are going through at this point in time. So, if you think I have just prepared the sermon this week, the sermon originally was prepared in the 80s. I preached the sermon new to every new church I've ever been in, and you've heard the sermon around November in 2006, okay? So, I've just tidied it up a little. But it's very, very appropriate to certain circumstances that we might have found ourselves in over the last couple of weeks. So, fasten your seatbelts. How to avoid being hurt in the church and how to avoid being offended in the church. Part four, we've looked at avoid developing unreasonable expectations of the church. Don't place absolute trust in people. Focus on common ground. Don't expect the church to be perfect. Don't seek to promote yourself or your own agenda. Avoid blaming the church for your personal problems and sins. Treat others as you wish to be treated. Be devoted to love and forgiveness. And number nine, don't get caught up in other people's offenses. This is is probably the big one. And uh, you're going to see me get on my little soapbox every now and then and pound away at uh, some politically correctness here, but that's okay. You get used to me and you, 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 you appreciate that, I know. Just a quick heads up, before we get into it, um, I want to throw out some biblical common sense. We're in a season of prayer and fasting. We're in a deliberate, intentional campaign of going into our community and reaching people. So he has three biblical quotes and one ordinary quote. First, the ordinary quote is from a guy called Jim Ron. You must take personal responsibility. You cannot change the circumstances, the seasons, or the wind, but you can change yourself. There is something, that is, that is something you have charge of. I like this one in Deuteronomy 23 verse 9. When you are encamped against your enemies, keep away from everything impure. Wow. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And then James 1.27, religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, 
look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world okay now let us look at number nine point number nine do not get caught up in the offense of other people psalm 15 i just want to read it lord who may dwell in your sanctuary who may live on your holy hill now here are the requirements to live in the lord's sanctuary and live on his holy hill he whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous who speaks the truth from his heart and does not slan and, and has no slander on his tongue who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the lord who keeps his oath even when it hurts who lends money without usury and does not accept the bribe against the innocent who he who does these things will never be shaken one of the most incredible things i find is how easy sometimes christians get tripped up because they don't know scripture and they don't know how to apply scripture in tough controversial interpersonal circumstances psalm 15 verse 3 he who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor and this is the part i want you to take note of nor does he take up a reproach against his friend okay what i'm going to talk about is words today you've got so many words out there and oftentimes because we allow other people to impose their definition of the word onto us they beat us in argument every time especially politically correct people they will come and they will impose a word on you or a situation on you and because you don't get an explanation of that particular word they have you over a barrel and give you a beating and so today I want to look at two words. I want to look at reproach and I want to look at the word rebuke. Especially in a church context. If you don't understand these words within the church. Now remember what I said last week. In the church there is no, or in, in society, in life, there is no relationship that's not going to have its conflict. If you don't understand the difference between a reproach and rebuke the religious spirit will come in and twist you around that you won't know where the north or south is and he'll get you every time now here's a question i want you to put in your head meditate upon it there's a couple of meditation points throughout the sermon i'll let you know them go to itunes download the sermon if you don't remember them and just meditate on these here's the first one how often do we use satanic weapons against our brother and sister in the church I'm not worried about whether you do it deliberately or whether you do it not whether it's innocently or whether you don't know anything but just think about that for a second just think about that for a second how often do you pick up a satanic weapon and point it at a brother and just blast away when this happens we walk into a trap set by the devil. The minute we use a weapon of the enemy, we actually walk into a trap set by the devil 
that will ultimately ensnare us, not even that person that we're firing at. Okay, let's look at the word reproach. The Bible here tells me that I must not take up a reproach against my brother. Reproach is a negative word. The picture I want you to have in your mind is when you're walking through the shopping centers and you see one of our wonderful, illustrious mothers screeching at a screeching child. Okay, and, 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 and the mother or the grandmother from a well-brought-up family is trying to discipline this child using profanity, using all kinds of things, threats, swearing at the child. That's the picture I want you to get in your mind. Okay? That is a reproach. Because a reproach is a negative word. If I come to you and I reproach you, I'm coming to find fault with you. I'm coming to upbraid you. I'm coming to blame you. I'm coming to discredit you. And so there, is a, there are a number of different meanings to this word in the New Testament. And I'm going to bring them out now. And so it's important for you to actually meditate on this. Because when I start wrapping up this message, you are going to start to see that there is a difference in handling brothers and sisters in the church. And it'll clear up something for you so quickly, you will never get tripped up with this again. So listen carefully. Number one, it's a defamation. In the Bible, when the Bible uses the word reproach in one section, it, 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 it means it's a defamation. You def, you, 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 there's a defamation of character being involved. Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 15.3. And I'm reading out of the Amplified. For Christ did not please himself. He gave no thought of his own interest, but as it is written, the reproaches and abuses of those who reproach and abuse you fell on him. So every time someone is defaming you, that defamation falls on him. He takes it. All right? He takes it. That's one of the words. So we don't reproach a brother. We don't defame a brother. Timothy writes, or Paul writes in Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, 7. Furthermore, he must, uh, he's talking about leaders in the church. He must have a good reputation and be well thought of by those outside the church. Why is that? Lest he become involved in slander and incur reproach and fall into the devil's trap. So reproach is the defamation. We don't defame each other. We don't tear each other's character down. That's a reproach. Another meaning for the word reproach is to dishonor someone. Okay, think of that woman disciplining her child. or not. That's not discipline, that's reproaching her child. She is dishonoring that child. She is bringing shame to that child by, by how she speaks to him. She is discrediting someone. So uh, reproach is shame, discredit, dishonor. 2 Corinthians 11.21, it says, I speak concerning reproach. That's the King James. In the New King James, they translate that word to shame. And in the Amplified, it says, to my discredit. So when I reproach you, if I come to you and I reproach you, I'm dishonoring you. I, I will bring dishonor to you. I will bring you to shame. I will shame you in front of people. 
I will discredit you. That's what reproach means. So, defamation, shame, discredit, dishonor. Number three, insult. That's what a reproach is. It's an insult. Now listen to what the Bible says about being insulted. Blessed, happy, people need to envy you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. That's the context of where that word is used in the, in the, in the Gospels. When people come to revile you, when people come to insult you, to reproach you because of Jesus, as hurtful as that's going to be, there's going to come a day when people are going to envy you for that. So we don't bring reproach on people because we don't insult people. We don't revile them. The last point I want to bring out on the word reproach is when I reproach someone, it's I'm, I'm treating someone insolently. I'm being rude. It's, it's, it's imp uh, being, just being, oh, speaking down to a person. Jesus was accused by the, the rulers of the law, the leaders of the law and the, and the Pharisees when he was speaking to them in Luke 11.45. It says, one of the experts in the law answered, teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. In the Amplified, it says, you reproach us. You create outrage in us. You affront us. So the Bible tells us we mustn't take up a reproach against a brother. That is simple. That's understandable. Because if I'm reproaching you, I'm defaming you. I'm bringing shame to you. I'm discrediting you. I'm dishonoring you. I'm insulting you. I'm reviling you. I'm treating you with rudeness. Okay, you got that? Clear definition. You never get that wrong again. <laughs> okay, the second word, reproach versus rebuke. Now, this is an interesting word. In the Gospels, it's used to a judge. Okay, rebuke. So, in the Gospels, it's rebuke evil spirits. Rebuke the winds, rebuke fever, and rebuke people. The, one of the most famous passages of someone being rebuked is when Jesus rebukes Peter. Remember when Peter was in front of him and ranting and raving, Jesus just turned his back and said, Get behind me, Satan. And he rebukes him. So it is to adjudge someone, to rebuke someone. The second meaning that we can gather out of this word rebuke out of the Bible is to convict someone or to refute someone, to come against the argument and refute it, to reprove someone. So Paul is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, and listen to this. Listen carefully to these scriptures. Because if you understand these scriptures, then the religious spirit will not be able to come in and, and, and get you to be offended when someone is rebuking a friend of yours. Now listen to this very carefully. As for those who are guilty and persist in sin. Are we clear? All right. 
when you actually begin to read scripture simply and to the point, and you try and cut out all this fluffy Christian bubble type lifestyle or religious lifestyle, it comes straight down to the point. And Paul is one of the most straightforward writers you will ever find. I mean, oftentimes you, you, you'd think he's actually reproving someone. He's so blunt. And he's, and he's like, it gets to the borderline of rudeness. But he's not, because he's rebuking them. And he tells us the difference. So if a person is guilty and persists in their sin, rebuke and admonish them in the presence of all. What? Hey, did you read that? So that the rest may be warned and stand in wholesome awe and fear. How many times have you seen a brother take an offense on behalf of another brother because the other brother is getting rebuked? And the offense this person is taking is because he doesn't understand the difference between a reproach and a rebuke. Paul writes to Titus, another young pastor running a church. He says this in, in Titus 1.13, And this account of them is really true. Because it is true, rebuke them sharply, deal sternly, even severely with them, so that they may be sound in faith and free from error. That is the objective of a rebuke. That is the objective of a correction. is so that there may be soundness in a person's life and there's no error in that person's life. Hebrews 12.5 And have you completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you are, are, are reasoned with and are addressed as my sons? My son, do not think lightly or scorn to submit to correction and discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage and give up and faint when you are reproved and corrected by him. So rebuke carries the impression of conviction. The last thing I want to talk about with regards to the definition of rebuke carries two Greek words in the, in the, in the New Testament meaning upon and strike. So you don't strike someone. And so Paul is writing to Timothy where he's talking to Timothy and he says, when you're dealing with older people or elders or leaders, you know, do, do not sharply censure or rebuke an older man but entreat and plead with him as you would with the father okay that's the difference between rebuke and reproach we all clear on the definition never get it wrong again are you a brilliant audience praise God <laughs> now this is the area that the devil plays Mary Havoc this is the area that the religious spirit comes in and he smudges these lines, he smudges these definitions. And if you are not clear on the word of God and you, do not, and you are shaky on its application, he's going to get you every time. Now, in most societies, there's this concept of brotherhood. All right? In Australia, we call it mateship. It's, it's marketed, it's it's promoted, it's sold, people are making money out of it, and, and people are hiding behind it. Mateship. If you go to, so in Australia, you come here and you hear, hey mate, hey, he's my mate. 
Yeah. In South Africa, he's my boot. <laughs> Look at my sister. <laughs> he's my tana, he's my boot. So, in, well, in New Zealand, I'm not in New Zealand, but it's probably bro. Right? Is that right? Where's my New Zealanders? Oh, she's out. All right. They're bros. Every country you go in, you will have this comrade, comradeship, uh, this gathering together of friends where relationships go deep. All right? Now, here's, the, here's where the problem lies. When the friendship overrides error. Now, you can see that pattern in the, in, in the movies all the time. You see this conflict going on, you know, where, where a mate does something wrong, especially if it's a police story, and then they're using their friendship against the other to try and make that person cover up the sin. That's where offense comes. That's where offense comes in. Or offense comes in where there are two friends and one does something wrong and a third friend comes in and begins to rebuke this one then this one takes up an offense a reproach against that one and I'll go and I'll explain that a little bit more now when loyalty in friendship or mateship overrides everything else within that statement that's where you're going to find hurt and that's where you're going to find offense i was reading crystal's blog the other day where she 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 shared a story about recently and then i think the title of the blog was when when doing the right thing often feels like the wrong thing or something to that effect and and she had a friend and um, who was sort of bulimic or getting sick and, 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 and she was on the swim team or something like that and then she went and said look there's something wrong here she exposed this girl's secret because it was doing her harm and she really got hurt by that because the, the, it would seem from her story that people then took offense against her and she relates another story lately that, uh, about when the same thing takes place when friendship in the church overrides the word of God, you have an idol. All right? You have an idol. Where friendship overrides the word of God, what you're going to start to see take place is a manifestation of rebellion which is manifested in manipulation and domination within that friendship. As Christians, our plumb line, our absolute is the Word of God. Our absolute should relate into our own lives, into our marriage, into our relationships, into our work relationships. This absolute, this Word of God should be the plumb line from which we measure everything. Now, you guys know me. Okay? And as I begin to teach you, you're going to start to implement this within your own life where I will be prepared to come in and really deal with core issues, no matter what it does to the relationship, especially if it's to deal with sin issues that are destroying your life. 
Because my care and love for you is greater than my mateship for you. The Bible tells me there are certain requirements that I need to fulfill within my relationship with you and you with me. I uphold those requirements above my relationship, my friendship with you. That gets me into a lot of trouble. That's why I love the scripture, blessed are you when people revile you. So here is a picture of an idol. When a Christian brother commits a sin and you overlook that sin because of your loyalty to mateship, not the word of God. The idol then is your friendship. And that's where the religious spirit comes in and begins to play havoc within the church. Okay, four common sense meditation points on the Bible. Four things. Just if you can get these into your head, you're going to avoid hurt and offense in the church. Number one, my behavior in the church is my responsibility. All right? If I'm feeling bad, it's my responsibility to take myself in hand and deal with myself and not let it ooze out onto you and make my problem your problem. If I'm dealing with sin, I need to deal with sin. 1 John 1, 9, I need to repent. I need to get myself sorted out before the Lord. And I mustn't make you a partaker of my sin. It's my responsibility. Now, if I can take responsibility for that and you can take responsibility for that, can you imagine how great the environment within the church is going to be? Number two, I need to do all within my power to maintain the unity of the church. So if you take that stance, I take this stance, we will maintain the unity of the spirit in the church and we can go forward as one because you know and I know that the absolute we measure is the word of God. Number three, guard my brother's back and his heart. Remember that beautiful scene about in 300 where they're all interlocked and their shields lock in? My shield does not protect me. It protects the man next to me. And that's why that beautiful scene where that deformed soldier wants to be a Spartan and the king of the Spartans just says, taps him on the shoulder, lift your shield there, lift your shield down, up, down. You can't be part of the phalanx. You can't be in the line because there's a deformity. There's an issue in your life. You can't lift and the shield protects your man on the left. Number four, don't take a reproach when a friend has been rebuked. Don't take an offense when a friend has been rebuked. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Okay, so one of the key factors in living effectively as a Christian is to know the Word of God. Know what it says. It addresses every situation I've ever encountered. The Bible has something to say about it. It addresses it. Get to know what it says. And if you stick to it, yeah, you will lose some friends. But there's a scripture I'm going to share with you about a friend that's going to be greater than a brother. That's what you will gain. All right, that's the first one. The difference between a re reproach and a rebuke. The second point under this section comes from this, and it's called, Do not share in the sin of others. 
1 Timothy 5.22b, it says, Do not share in the sin of others. Keep yourself pure. Listen from verse 19. Let no accusation presented before a judge against an elder, unless it is confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I'm going to go through this passage of Scripture pretty much in depth here. But Paul is writing to Timothy about how he must govern the church. And what he says here is, if someone brings an accusation against a leader in the church. Now, my thing now, this is how I approach it. I not only apply this to a leader. I apply it to you. If someone comes to me with an accusation about you, I apply this verse of scripture. And I can tell you, if they don't provide witnesses, they're on the carpet. Listen to this. Let no accusation, listen to, listen to no accusation presented before a judge against an elder unless it is confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Verse 20. As for those who are guilty and persist in sin, rebuke and admonish them in the presence of all, so that the rest may be warned and stand in wholesome awe and fear. Verse 21, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels that you guard and keep these rules without personal prejudice or favor and do nothing from partiality. That's mateship. That's my definition of mateship. The word of God overrides mateship. Don't let anyone come to you and apply a mateship loyalty over God's word. You do that, that's an idol. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the chosen angels that you guard and keep these rules without personal prejudice or favor. Do nothing from partiality. Verse 22. Do not be in a hurry in laying on of hands, giving the sanction of the church to hastily in reinstating expelled offenders or in uh, ordination in questionable cases, nor share or participate in another man's sin. Keep yourself pure. Let's just look at that a little bit. Okay? Now, as I said to you in the beginning of this message, oftentimes we find that when I preach, these sermons often seem to fit into a situation that we might be currently dealing with. And we are dealing with a situation right now uh, that has been stretching out from last year, 2010, and we're having some residue effects of that incident last year that we have to deal with right now. And so what is happening is there's a lot of accusation coming against certain people and myself. Now, what generally happens is you keep quiet in the face of the accusation. Isn't that right? You don't. Don't do that. I will guarantee you this. You, if, you, if you implement this once or twice, you will never have a person come to you with a story again. You will never have to really worry about someone coming to you with gossip again. 
You will never have someone coming carrying a story about someone in the church that's going to get you all riled up ever again. I promise you that. Do it once or twice and you'll see. And this is what you've got to do. When they bring an accusation, sit, listen, and be polite. This is what I do. And then I say, well, can I go and get a pen, please? And a piece of paper. Yeah, okay, I'll go and do that. I get a pen and paper. I sit down and say, right, what is the accusation? And I start jotting it down. And then I'll say, where did you hear it from? Now, this is where it gets tricky because this is where they do not want to reveal their sources because suddenly it becomes, oh, no, it's confidentiality. Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. It's under confidence. And uh, what are you, a, a priest in the Catholic Church keeping, what's it, the, 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 the confessional box? <laughs> Nonsense. I want to know who laid the accusation. And if you can't tell me, I'm going to sort you out. Because the reputation of my brother is at stake. And I will protect my brother's back. I have my brother's back. If you are right, believe me, and you've seen me do this, I will discipline. But if you are wrong, I will also discipline. <laughs> I will rebuke you. Not reproach you. Okay, credible witnesses. Now, when you talk about witnesses, these are people that must actually come and sit down and face the, the person they're accusing. No hidden confidentiality, no letters written to to me you write me a letter and i know it's you i've had a couple of anonymous letters boy but when i find out who you are well not you they they're out, i know i know who they are but they're outside the church yeah i will i will come to you and i will look you in the eye and i will say please explain matthew 18 you don't do this in the body of christ because we maintain the unity of the church we don't use satanic weapons and so what Paul is writing here about is he is giving us a means of straightening out sin issues, relational issues, problems and misunderstandings in a clear and biblical way. When we violate this, that's when the enemy comes in and all manner of stuff starts to boil and bubble and just explode. And so verse 19 clearly states the procedure of dealing with an accusation. And so when someone comes with an accusation against you to me, know that this is what I do. And I'm training you to do the same. Do you know how hurtful it is when your reputation gets smashed? I'm using Chris as an example here because he, he shared this already and it's already out there in iPod world with, with the, the iPod from the Warwick. He shared his story. His story was that he got accused at work of doing shoddy work by a, by a client and his bosses hammered him without fully explaining what the charge was and finding out what his story was. After he got upset, 
and came and did a couple of days worth of weights in about five minutes, blew off a couple of steam there, a bit of steam there, settled down. He went back to his boss and said, right, this is what I did, this is what I didn't do. You know what his boss found out? Certain of the charges, his boss would have done the same thing. And then the other charges, someone else did the job. And he just came and tidied up. But it hurt. But it hurt. So if someone comes to you and, and, and lays an accusation against you, deal with it in a biblical manner. Problems come in when we do not understand the difference between a rebuke and a reproach. Let no accusation come. Verse 20. For those who are guilty and persist in sin, rebuke and admonish them in the presence of all, so that the rest may be warned and stand in wholesome awe and fear. If the sin is public and there's not repentance... Rebuke them in public. You've seen this happen already. For the betterment of all. Verse 22. Now this is the one that I want us to just look at and then I'm going to start winding up and, and bringing it to a close where I talk about how not to make an take an offense. It says, do not... Be in a hurry in laying on of hands, giving sanction of the church to too hastily in reestating expelled offenders or in the ordination in questionable cases. Nor share or participate in another man's sin, but keep yourself pure. I've got to share something from my heart here. This verse of scripture scares the living daylights out of me. Because one of my ministries is to actually activate people into ministry. Another thing that I keep on finding, which is something that I don't like, is that I keep on finding that I have to go in and deal with people that are really becoming self-destructive in their ministry, haul them out, restore them, and then set them back into ministry. And every time I have to do that, and it's happened in this, in this church in four years, it's happened twice already now. All right? Where I've taken someone who's messed up badly, rebuked them, disciplined them, restored them, and put them back into ministry where they've gone back into the same hole again. I have to stand before the Lord and give an account. There's certain things like I'm not too happy about when I have to get up there. And it's this. Do not be in a hurry in laying on of hands. Giving the sanction of the church too hastily in reestating expelled offenders or in ordination in questionable cases. So that is something that concerns me. Another meaning to this passage of scripture is absolution and so what Paul could be speaking about here is don't take someone out of discipline too quickly that's another thing that I'm concerned about because it's happened twice in this church already and I painstakingly try and walk these guys through the disciplinary process and the restoration process so that they don't fall back. 
But this is the section I want you guys to look at. Don't share or participate in another man's sin. Keep yourself pure. The mistake we make is when oftentimes offense comes into our lives is where a brother of ours has been corrected because of a sin issue in their life. That we come next to this brother and the mistake we make is we do not understand the difference between a rebuke and reproach. And so the person bringing the rebuke or the reproof or the correction we take offense against that person and so link arms with this person's sin that's mistake number one we make the second mistake we make in this is the mistake of loyalty your loyalty to Jesus Christ and his word this book the Bible supersedes everything everything now I've shared this with you before if you stand next to a man or a woman who upholds this completely or to the best of their ability they are safest to stand next to then someone who's going to come along and say, Hey, mate. Hey, but. Hey, bro. Because when the chips are down, the person that walks according to this is going to stick closer to you than a brother. Proverbs 18.24 One who is, has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In the Amplified Version, it says, The man of many friends, a friend of all the world, will prove himself a bad friend. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm going to wrap it up now. How, 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 how do you not take offense? Listen carefully. There's a difference between a burden and a sin. There is a difference between a reproach and rebuke. Counsel your friend. Stand next to your friend. But don't be tempted to participate in his defense if he's been rebuked or corrected because of sin. That's an unwise thing to do. Especially considering the fact that your friend might actually be the one that's sinning. One of these days... Um, We've been invited, I don't know how it's going to work out, but we've been invited to share a radio spot on some Sunshine Coast radio station or whatever. And, and we're busy, Ben, myself, and, and Josh, we're busy going to begin experimenting with a couple of like uh, light-hearted looks at some serious things in the Bible. And um, Ben and I are already arguing over the word. Now, you know, I, I want to... I wanna, he says I mustn't call people stupid. Okay? <laughs> Josh is going to be with us, and he just wants to loose the bears on people. You know the scripture where they, where they, where they mock the, the bald prophet? 
couple of like 50 young people mocked what's what's his name one of Elisha or something he's a bald prophet and hey, hey baldy and they call him baldy you know what he did he just loosed the bears on and the bears just ripped them apart so Josh and I like wanting to just loose the bears <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna meet I'm, I'm gonna have a compromise here so I won't call people stupid because actually and, and, you'll, and, and you'll see it later on in my in my preaching in terms of actually not not calling people names and, and stuff like that. Not, not calling people a fool either. Don't call someone Raka, the Bible says. It's, it's very bad for you. Bad for your health. But we're going to call behavior stupid. Okay, and we're going to loose the bears on stupid behavior. So we'll fight you on that one, Ben. <laughs> okay, so here's some stupid behavior. All right? And we're going to loose some bears on the stupid behavior. Here it is. I'm going to close with this. All right, here we go. Stupid behavior is where you step into an argument and only listen to one side. Come on. Hey, loose the bears. Come on. That, that's stupid. Just loose the bears. <laughs> that is stupid. Because Listen to it. There's only two people in an argument. There are three sides to that argument. Two is subjective. One is objective. God is objective. So you've got one person that's subjective. You've got the other person that's subjective. And if you go and listen to just one side and then make a decision... You deserve what you get. Loose the bears. You deserve the bears. Hey, Josh, deserve the bears. <laughs> oh, my. And, and, and these bleeding heart, politically correct people do it all the time. Oh, muddy coddle people. Um, you know, just wanting to get next to people and sympathize with them and and oh, you poor dear. Meanwhile, it's that person's sin is destroying them. You love them, you encourage them, and you speak into their life as a brother or as a sister to say, your behavior is unbiblical, it is wrong. Let's deal with the behavior. It starts with 1 John 1 9, repent. Reserve your opinion until you've heard God's side. That's good behavior.